Hey team, welcome to the Professionally Offensive Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cabrera. This is the spot where we provide raw, unfiltered insights from some amazing guests. Stand by, you're about to be offended in all the right ways. All right, team, welcome to the Professionally Offensive Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Cabrera, and today we have Kate Saber here with us today. And so this is why I'm always stoked about getting guests onto this show, and big part of it for this time around I know if y'all listen to the episode, I'm stoked about everybody that comes on here, but Kate is truly going to be a fresh breath of air and a new perspective. We get a lot of operators on here, folks that run and do things in businesses and organizations and run nonprofits. Kate helps these kind of people do what they do the best. And so as somebody who is a coaching guru, I find it that I'm excited about how you know refreshing this perspective is going to be. So I hope y'all do too. Kate, my friend. Thanks for being on. Oh, man. Can you just like every day I wake up, just start my day with that like hype speech? Beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it feels really fun to be here. Well, I'm honored to have you on. So I'm stoked about it. And uh, for those who don't know Kate, uh, let me give you a little background. And then I'm I'm really jazzed about what we're going to be talking about today. It's going to be everything from what is executive coaching, how you got into it, all the way to the weird stigmas in and out of doing it on either side of the coin. And then one of my you know things that is interesting, I know we talked about it, Kate, love to dive into more of your just personal mantras and how you kind of live through your life and how you, you know, try to get your flow state there. So it's a ton of great things we're going to cover. And I'm always looking forward to any rabbit holes we can find. But Quick little preview on Kate. She is a rock star. I know she may not admit this or say this, but I am honored to have her on the show. You know, Kate started off in in the corporate world, just like many of us do, kind of being the person who's helping operate businesses. And you've been a part of many interesting companies and really hard-hitting companies out there. I know that you've done strategic things to help Apple internally with their, you know, with people and, and human capital all the way to um, being a part of major companies and leader development with Airbnb. That's right, right? Airbnb doing leader dev out there. And then being the head of people at a company or head of people at a company called Tilt. So I know you have quite the rap sheet and one that honestly, if you probably stayed on that path, you would have found enormous success. And it over time, I know that as we got to talk more and more, you decided that, hey, I needed to make a hard pivot and and really just pursue um my own passion, my own kind of operation and business here with Kate Saber coaching. So, or executive coaching. Did I miss any major highlights there? No, I think you nailed it. Yeah. On the the professional side, at least there is a, you know, and I'll back up and say the way I actually met Kate and her awesome family, uh, it was actually, we were, we were, the way we even came together was actually really serendipitous. And I think it just goes to show you the energy she emits which is a positive one. We actually all, we were, my wife and I were actually getting away from the world for a little bit. And so we went on to this little private enclave here. And I say private, it was just secluded, you know, seven tents out there in Costa Rica. And just so happens we run into Kate, her husband and her beautiful child out there hanging out. And out of one place that we're just trying to unplug for the world, I remember we could not help but gravitate towards you all and just be able to kind of talk and converse and all these other things and got to learn a little bit what Kate was all about what she was working on. So just to go to show you, just even in a short amount of time, made an impression on me. So really grateful to, to have met you and, and grateful again to have you on the show. Hmm. Oh, the feeling is so mutual. 
Yeah. I remember we would, we would go to dinner every night and uh, we'd be like, Oh, Joseph and Kelsey going to be there. I really hope they're there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we could have just sat in conversation with you all for hours on end. In fact, we did, you know, I think by the final night, we were just like, come on, sit at our table. (laughs) It was like a big family dinner about about what's happening. (laughs) Yeah. But it's really rare and special to find people that can, you know, meet you at your depth of conversation who are so curious and adventurous in their spirits and how they spend time in the world. And yeah, I, we really treasure those memories and and feel grateful to, yeah, have you all in our lives now. Well, we're going to do it again soon. So I'm stoked about that opportunity uh, and to be able to call y'all friends. Help me fill in one spot. I know you got, you got such a great resume moving into it. What moves a person into going off on their own? It's always fascinating to me to kind of have um, the understanding of what makes people tick in this regard. So what, what, what was the impetus that said, Hey, let me go ahead and just do this on my own, you know, cause I know that you've had, um, enormous commitment and, and mission felt when you were at these companies. So just kind of give us a little background on how that journey went for you. Yeah. I, you know, from each of the experiences that you mentioned, what became clear and clearer is the way that I felt most creative and expressed in the world was when I was in really deep connection with another human and exploring perspective. So the relationship they have with themselves or their way of navigating the world. And I started to learn about executive coaches, which were, you know, a group of people that sat with others engaging in this type of conversation and they got paid for it, (laughs) you know? I was like, what? You know, I I had no idea that that was even an option for me or available. And so when I was ahead of people at Tilt, I was hiring executive coaches for my leadership team there and uh, went through the process of, you know, getting to know a bunch of different coaches and firms. And along the way, realized like, hey, I want to be doing this work. And so started to explore uh, different coaching programs and, um, I personally started a program called NLP Marin. It's neurolinguistic programming. So it's the study of kind of human patterning, if you will, and how it then shapes your behavior and decisions today. So I started to get a toolkit that I could actually use to even take these conversations further. And so little by little started to increase the like who I spend time with, how I spent time with. And, uh, started to think, huh, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this full time. Maybe I can have my own business and create uh, coaching in the world in the way that I want to see it. And so I wouldn't say it was overnight, but it was a slow progression and yeah, slowly moved towards that. I think the underbelly of that too is, you know, I have a part of the way I like to live in the world is I like to have an immense amount of autonomy. I am in uh, avid traveler. I, uh, like to take a lot of vacation a year (laughs) and I like to design my schedule. And so, you know, running your own business, you have extreme freedom to design your life in the way that you want. And that felt really right for me. So yeah, those two things. How did you, when you were deciding to make that, and I know that, you know, it seemed like it kind of was a progressive transition. You know, you probably did some of this. I know when we had talked about it, you had probably helped some clients along the way while you were also kind of being a traditional operator to company. How did you decide, Kate, like the thing that always goes through my brain about folks that find something they're passionate about is when you commit to it, did you ever have a worry that that thing 
the thing you loved doing was because now it became your livelihood completely that it would spoil to some extent? Like, did you, did you ever Mm. worry about that or was that not an issue at all? Yeah, such a, you know, great question. And I guess the gift of this work that I do is it's so energy giving, it's Mm. almost intoxicating in a way. So, you know, I've had the experience that the, the more I get to sit in a container like this, the, um, almost the more I get out of it in a way. And so that hasn't ever been, it hasn't ever detracted. I, I think the only thing I'll say about that is sometimes I will be, you know, in one-on-one connection all day. And I do need to be very mindful of like setting some boundaries post-work to have quiet time or to not talk to anyone. <laughs> so otherwise do like a recharge be, so that you're good. Yeah. Good it can go. be like pretty saturated and I still love it. So I love I'm I mean, lucky for that. Well, since you said actually that, that is something that I think about, I think about putting my, I was putting myself in your shoes for half a second as I was, you know, getting ready for this here today. And the one thing that came through my mind is, God, I mean, Kate's got to have a lot of internal energy to be able to do what she does for a living. How do you stay fresh? Because I imagine that when folks come talk to you, and maybe after this question, I'd like to dig into like what, I think for a lot of folks, we have an idea of what executive or what coaching is. Mm. I like to understand your perspective of like how you think about it um, and the craft there of being able to do it. But the energy side, like how mm. do you keep fresh? I know you talked about pausing, but because people probably come to you for your best every, you know, they're, they're probably at a, at a lower and interesting point in their day or their life or whatever. And so they, they need you to be a hundred percent on how do you stay fresh with that and not allow yourself to also, cause I got to imagine the inputs are enormous at times. Yeah. So I'll answer your first question about what is executive coaching and I can share how maybe I show up in it and then yes. I'll go to your, how do we keep, you know, the, uh, high energy state. So if you think of the ways that people might seek help in the world, there's sort of a spectrum. And on one side, you've got akin to therapy. Um, And then on the other side, you've got folks that have done your job, such as um, former operators, founders, CEOs, and who will show up in the conversation very akin to uh, consultants or advisors, and they will tell you what to do, right? Mm -hmm. Where I show up in the work is very much in the middle. So I will ask questions about your feelings because it will give us insight into the belief structure that's running you and how you're showing up as a leader with your team. And then I will also absolutely share sort of stories and tactical uh, tools that will help you from my experiences and all the clients that I work with. But I mostly will just ask a bunch of questions, listen really deeply and hardly ever tell you what to do. So at the core executive coaching, if I were to kind of like drill it down to something really simple is your current experience is a reflection, right? Of your internal state, your relationship with yourself. And the most of us will go through the world talking all day long about what we don't want. And then wondering why nothing changes. Mm -hmm. Right. And so part of the art of executive coaching is helping someone get really, really crystal clear about what they want to create in the world and who they want to be in creating that. And then the time and sessions is really going into the layers deeper to understand who is the person internally that you have to be to show up and create that. And then what are the external actions you have to take to create that? So it is, uh, yeah, just a total honor to sit with somebody and first of all, dream bigger than they ever dreamed before. 
And then the moment that they realize that it's accessible and it's possible is, yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to sit and be with someone in that moment. So do you, before we go to energy, so do you kind of have to, do you find that you kind of have to warm folks up to get to that point? Or do you find most folks, you know, are pretty, I don't know, maybe they're just so ready for it. They're ready to just tell you, yep, this is how I tick, Kate. And, you know, they kind of getting through their beliefs and understanding. Is that a harder thing to do? Or do you find that now people are actually pretty open about it? So person to person Hmm. and what, what you're sort of getting at is if you, for you personally, if you reflect on who are the people in your life that you feel like you speak really candidly to, or you're really truthful, you're really honest, you're willing to say what is kind of uncomfortable to even admit. My guess is it would be, those are the people that have built like a deep sense of rapport and a deep safety with you so much so that you feel like you can say, yeah, I'm actually really judgmental about that person or, you know, that you're just really open. Um, the first step to even starting to go, what would you like is for you to kind of admit where you, where you are and what's present, what's hard for you right now. So, you know, we, we have an expression in coaching, which is you always meet the client where the client's at. So if you're somebody that's just starting the journey of introspection and self-development, you're going to be at a completely different conversation point than somebody that's been, you know, doing silent meditations in ayahuasca in Peru and like, you know, knows his or her soul inside out. So yeah, I you will can get those, a little faster there. Yeah. 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 I will meet those clients at different places. And that's an important thing about in my opinion, a great coach will be able to recognize where you are and meet you where you are so that you feel um, comfort and safe and excited to go on the next step of wherever you are in that journey. That's incredible. And I do dig the fact that you spend time and I'm sure there's no right or wrong answer, but then you also, once that is established, and I'm sure that's an ongoing thing in parallel with the tactical stuff, but the tactical stuff is interesting because I do feel that, you know, this is, uh, this is one thing that a lot of folks, especially our operators, are also in their mind saying, okay, good, I feel good about myself, but can you help me figure out how to translate that into things that I'm doing on a day-to-day basis, right? So that's incredible. Is that something you knew right away that I have to have that balance or was that you kind of finding your way and figuring out, huh, I guess most people need a little bit of both? Yeah, you. I mean, you'll definitely see it time and time again where somebody where somebody is really trying to like they'll read a leadership book or listen to a leadership podcast, and then they'll go and they'll be like, okay, I'm gonna try these really tactical things, and yeah. then they're they're like, well, why didn't anything change? Why hasn't anything gotten better? And it's like, well, there's nothing about your internal operating system that's shifted, so the things that you're trying are not going to work in the same vein. If all you're doing is being self-reflective and you're not actually waking up the next day and doing something different, then there won't be material change. So you need both. Both are hugely important. That's incredible. And go back to energy. How do you stay on? How do you at least on for them? Like, how do you do it? I am continuously working at this. As you've mentioned, I am a new mom. So my daughter is 15 months and full of life. And we have had our fair share of sleepless nights. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we also are very full, we have lived full lives. So it's, you know, um, it's easy to slip into kind of the busyness. I think, you know, the journey that I'm on right now in my life is um, if we went back way back when, when I first started my business, I had a desire to be fully expressed in the world and to be financially abundant and free. And those were kind of the two kind of guiding lights for me. 
And what I realize, and you're beautifully highlighting now is that, you know, my superpowers in a way are hundred percent dependent on my presence, my energy, and the way that I've been living for a majority of my life is to completely take for granted the thing that is like the foundation of like everything I do. So it's almost akin to like an Olympic athlete going through their whole life. I don't know, whatever they're doing, maybe a marathon runner and they focus all day long at like the, I don't know if there's a lot of specific maneuvers for running or how to go about doing the right thing, but they never actually take care of their body or how they eat. I mean, that would be crazy. Yeah. And so what's become abundantly clear to me is when I am deeply, deeply rested. And I don't mean like I got eight hours of sleep last night. (laughs) I mean, like to my core feel grounded, um, feel full, feel nourished, feel nurtured myself. If I don't have those things, then I am sitting in front of a client and I am not fully delivering. And that's really like a striking thing for me, at least to, to become an awareness to, because it means that now being well rested is not a nice to do. It's actually, you have to do this in order to kind of reach the next level of your, of my potential. So yes, uh, uh, phrase I've been playing with this year and using as my new guiding light. In addition to those other two is I really want to say that I am a well-rested woman and I'm still figuring out what that means, but, uh, yeah, I'm starting to experiment with a, a couple of different things and, and hoping that, you know, even you as a friend of mine would start to feel even deeply like my presence and, you know, you know, the sense of like, sometimes people walk in a room or you'll sit in conversation with someone and you can just feel their energy. Like they're not even talking and you can feel it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I just like, I want you to feel in a deep sense that I am fully in a hundred percent with you and for you. And I can only do that if I'm fully at a hundred percent myself. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's a way to, I mean, you talk about, it's about as anti hip, I mean, you'd be almost hypocritical if you didn't do that for yourself, right? And I can imagine that's probably the best way to, to be able to coach and teach is by living, being at least a striving living example for somebody to be able to look at and, and say, because I'll tell you as, a, as someone who's run and operated businesses, you know, and, and teams and those things, it's a really interesting thing you get kind of indoctrinated early on, which is you give, give, give. It's like selfless service. It's all these things that you're just you're pouring out. You know, you're everything from the tactile things of sleep all the way to just, you know, what I can avoid these. You know, I don't need to hang out with my family as much and and all these other things. I need to take care of the team. And you end up finding yourself really just skipping it, like as a CD. When if they had, we don't have CDs anymore, but you know what I mean. Like you mm-hmm. skip right, and and you wondering why. And you realize, well, the daggone vessel, which is you, isn't good to go. And so how can you possibly good to go for anybody? So what you're really saying is it's no different than I, I would imagine the advice you probably give to folks or the things you help them with along their journey too. Yeah, it's certainly similar. It is really striking. I mean, if we look, if any of us right now were to look at the leaders that we most respect in the world, we probably would also find that majority of them are running on fumes are close to burnout. And first of all, there's just an awe, I suppose, for how much 
they're able to impact and create in the world, given that they're on an, like an empty tank or half a tank, if you will. And then my curiosity immediately goes to what would this person create, think, imagine if they had a full tank and how on earth did we all get lost along the way and sort of like idealizing busyness and productivity and having every minute on the calendar booked that we lost sight of like your art, your craft, your way of thinking. That's like the thing to protect more than anything else. And so my, my hope, yes, with clients, absolutely. We sit and we talk about again, internally, you know, if you've had the identity your whole life that like, in order to have value and worth in the world, I need to be a high producing, go a million miles per hour, have 47 things on my to-do list. If that's the way that you felt safe and that you have worth, it feels really damn scary to sit and have like a four hour chunk for like deep thinking time. Oh yeah. You I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, your whole body freaks out. I mean, your heart starts beating faster. Your hands are sweaty. I mean, this is no joke. It literally feels like you could die. And where that comes from is you will replay behaviors in your life or strategies in your life when you've had an experience and you've survived it. So you, I don't know if you can relate to Joseph, I'm guessing you can, but if you've known very well how you can function as like this over busy, overdoing human in the world, you have no idea what it's like to, you know, live with space and live with time to think. If that is something you've never done before, it is terrifying. How do you help folks get, I mean, I'm with you hundred percent. How do you, you help folks get there? I got to imagine that's probably a stubborn conversation for a lot of folks, right? Like, okay, I get it, Kate, but are they, you know, how do you get them there? I'm sure not everybody does, but I'm just curious, like, how do you get folks to a place where, you know, they're comfortable with that idea, right? Or I don't, I'll give you an example. You hear about high powered folks who have these really interesting practices or, or lack of practice. They, they literally go, you know, I heard the other day of a, a gentleman who runs a, a major firm and literally takes an enormous amount of vacation a year. Like it mm-hmm. is a back-to-back person all year long. But if you knew the amount of vacation, I'm talking about like over a month consecutively, people would go like, what the heck? Are you kidding me? And you almost see like, well, there's, there's probably, he's probably working on vacay is what you go to, right? There's no way. Right. But when you look and you hear about this individual, like if you start to study it some more, you're like, no, I really do think he disappears for 30 days. Like, I think that that's what happens. Mm. How do you get folks there? How do you get them to be comfortable with the idea that, yeah, four hours? Are you kidding me, Kate? Like, there's no way I'm going to just block four hours out of my day or out of my week to go do something that's for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we first start with so acknowledging what is. And if you're saying, like, right now, I'm doing a bazillion things. I'm half at capacity and I'm very close to burnout. And then we would start by exploring. So what is it that you would like? What do you want to experience? And then it'll usually go into like, well, I want more time. I want more time to think you're like, okay, well, that's great. But what will having more time to think do for you? And then you're like, well, then I'd like, I don't know, have a sense that I'm like deeply fulfilled or I'd have a sense that, you know, I'm actually having meaning or creating impact that's worthwhile. And they go, well, great. What will having that do for you? (laughs) And anyway, we fall this chain down where we bring into awareness that there's this experience that they're really longing for, whether it's freedom, autonomy, creation, mastery, 
innovation. There can be a bunch of different things that might surface. And so we pull that back up and go, okay, so you want to feel free. Awesome. And then we start to go through the process of having them step into the version of them that is free, how they experience themselves. Like when we step into you, what's that, what's the internal tape player plan? How do how do you talk to yourself? How do you, when you look out your eyes, how do you see the world? What has your attention? Right. Um, And we start to have them actually experience like physically in their bodies and in their neural like wiring, what that experience is like. And what you're doing is, um, Trevor, no, I'm going to butcher the quote, but I've always loved is like, whatever you can imagine, you can make possible. And what you're actually doing is when you give the brain pictures and the physical sensations of an experience that you want, your brain can actually then start to connect neurons in such a way that your behaviors and actions can move towards this thing. So where we started, we're back to this person really wants to feel free. So notice that what we're not actually going for is like, okay, we really want to like fix your calendar. No, that that is, (laughs) we're like way far beyond that. First, we got clear on the experience you wanted. We're now understanding um, the main belief that you'll have about yourself in the world when you're having the experience that you're totally free. And then given all that, then we get to explore when did you decide that you couldn't be free? What were the moments and experiences that framed that? What was so important for you in that moment of your life that you gave yourself the message, like, oh, whatever you do work, be the hardest worker in the room. Um, make sure that you are always squeezing every single piece of juice out of your soul before you go to sleep at night. Like, when did you decide that? And then there's a bunch of different tools and ways that we go about it, but we'd go and we, in, in really essences, we kind of add some new perspective so that you can see, oh, I never lost my ability to be free. I just sort of had a narrow way of, of seeing my set of choices, the set of things that were on the menu at the restaurant. And now I see that there's actually an abundance of different options and I can be wildly successful, really freaking financially sound. I can have belonging and worth in my community and I can be free. It's, I mean, imagine, um, I'm, I'm, I am, hearing you say this is something that one, I can identify like, man, this is, you definitely meant this is your, your calling, you know, to be able to do these kind of things. But I was also am hearing you say this, I'm thinking about the other side, hearing this, it's gotta be liberating to watch. Do you see like a bulb go off or is there, is there a moment or maybe a series of moments that you see in the person you're helping go, Oh crap. You're absolutely right. I can go do this. Is, do you see, is there a light bulb click or do you feel like it's a little more progressive and you don't really get to see it right away? Or do you see those moments click? It's definitely a range. I am always shocked at how little people ask themselves, like, what would I like? Mm-hmm. And then answer that question and then go, well, what would be even better? Oh, interesting. Like, what would be the most wildly wonderful thing that could be true about what you experience in the world? And then you start from there. And even that you see like their whole entire body is like, what? I'm allowed to even ask that question. They're like, no, Kate, really? What? Even better? (gasps) What? Yeah. Don't go to that forbidden. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like naughty, you know? Yeah. So even that in itself can be a shifter. I think the things that become hugely powerful is when somebody is brave enough to actually let themselves 
answer that question, get super clear on not just what they want, but what are they longing for? Yeah. And then actually to, to kind of um, lean into some of the introspection and conversation and testing and experimenting that allows them to just kind of start to test out this new identity. What if I am somebody that is really free in the world? If that is so true, then how would they show up in this meeting? How would they delegate with their team? Who would be the executives that they would pick to be around them? How would they talk to their board? And the, the most rewarding is after, you know, running a series of experiments to come back and say, Kate, I feel, I feel free. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> that is the, that is the moment that we celebrate. Right. Uh, and then we go great. So, you know, and then how do we stay on it? I'm sure there's a level of maintenance too, right? Like I'm sure that, or maybe not tell me, is that, do you find that when folks hit that celebration point and they like, Oh, God, I'm okay. I'm dialing in. I am dialed in on this thing. Um, it's staying with someone like EK, you know, and being able to continue to maintain that level of thought. I imagine world creep can get in. And is that something that you find that, yep, you still got to keep yourself just like anything in life. You reach a goal physically. I'm just taking my example from let's do fitness. You reach a goal at a, at a point where you hit a PR or you're at, but you don't just stop because one, that's not going to continue to be that way if you just mm. not continue forward with it. Same thing and, and same thing, do you feel like in this world? Staying in like deep awareness of yourself absolutely ongoing is critical to you continuously having more of the experience that you want. Yeah. Although I, I will say one of the wonderful things about being human is this great thing called life will never let you sit on your laurels, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, you, it will, you will continue to meet moments that evoke new things in you or will re-trigger old patterns in you. And if you're just awake enough, if you're paying attention enough to know that Every moment that is arising, you have choice of the person that you are that meets that moment, then your journey is never ending. The good news is, is that usually you get to upgrade your problems though. If you think about like the younger you, the 12 year old you who thought the world was just a horrid place and people were mean, or I don't know what your 12 year old is, but my 12 year old had really lost hope around <laughs> humanity, you know? I think about the set of problems that she was sitting with compared to the set of challenges now. And I certainly am continuously to work on my journey. I, you, it, it gets upgraded. Your problems are still challenging. There's still work to kind of evolve within yourself, but it's a, it's a new playing field because you have new ways of seeing. Do you feel that your life, you mentioned, you know, the 12 years, because I think about that. I think about even where I'm at and where other folks that I'm around, where they go, it's always interesting to kind of hear how they started in this world and kind of like what brought them there. Hmm. So as you were saying that, I'm thinking, what, I mean, what do you, grow, even growing up, like were there certain things that even before you running your own thing right now, there's obviously a common thread about being, you know, helping people reach that level of peace and potential and those things even in, was there something early in your life and how you grew up or the family you're in and stuff that inspired you to do that? Or like, where does that come from? Yeah, I continue to sit with that question myself. So I was born in um, Cape Town, South Africa during apartheid. And I, who knows what I thought when I was one years old or two years old, yeah. but my sense is I was already 
very confused by the, a world that would have such division and such cruelty. Yeah. And my, you know, one of my beliefs that I have around why we're on the planet and a kind of our purpose in life is that we get to have the experience of connection with other humans. And we, it is such a profound gift to sit and exchange and love and laugh and play with other humans. That is such a profound, like fully body moving experience. And so, yes, born in South Africa, moved to England, moved to the U S I also grew up as the eldest of 11 children. And there were so many, 11, yes. So I have 10, (laughs) I have 10 siblings. I'm the eldest. So if I get super, super mama bear on you, it's cause I, you know, grew up bossing everyone around. Yeah. So accurate. Um, But yeah, just on that journey, there were so many moments where my brain could not make sense of what was happening in front of me, or I had such a desire for, you know, whether it be changes within my family or within my community where I would see in a way like suffering or loneliness or isolation or shame. And it always like, I get, keep coming back to that word of like confused and almost enraged me that we are all humans on this planet and we're moving through the experience of life, holding these really hard things. When there's this possibility of doing it in community, there's a possibility of being companions to one another. And, and more than anything else, if you step into the experience of the individual human, so much of it is about your relationship with yourself. And so I think the catalyst came from this deep desire to kind of take this thing, which I think is a fundamental best thing about being a human and shift it and expand it within those I'm connecting with so that they can experience the richness of themselves and of the full depth of being human. I can totally see now how that, you know, I'm not sure if it's clear. I know you say, Hey, I'm, I still think and reflect on those things. I think if I grew up in an environment like that too, I would be mindful about it. What's cool about do you think any, maybe it's just Kate's DNA I and mean, it's just kind of what you're meant to do. But I think a lot of folks would see that situation that you grew up in mm. and maybe go the other way and just kind of like lose hope and all of the, you know, and be more cynical about kind of things as opposed to go, well, let me drive a little bit towards the fire, so to speak, and figure out how to be a part of, you know, making that better. I find that fascinating is, is also growing up with 10 folks in the family, you know, 10 siblings, and you know, is growing up in that environment also something do you feel like made you interested? I mean, I gotta, I can't imagine, I have a brother. So I can't imagine <laughs> having 10 of them and, fi- and being the eldest, you know, and figuring out how to relate to all of them. Was that something also you feel like was part of the equation? It's hugely influential yeah. on my journey. You know, I think the if we look at kind of my journey to today, or maybe the, what I, not the shadow side, but kind of the darker, murky, darker waters that I navigated with that. Yeah. You know, when we first moved to the States, my parents got divorced and I, at the age of four and a half decided that I, you know, no longer needed to be taken care of by anyone else. And I would take care of everyone. And so you will watch me play out this strategy my whole life where I basically like play a mama bear. So with my siblings, I took on the, you know, largely a role of like, let me take care of you, uh, with friends, sometimes similar dynamics. And definitely within my profession, you can see the path of, uh, me 
trying to take uh, kind of the way uh, that I thought I could first of all, have an identity in the world and have my own value in the world by taking care of everyone else. Um, where that completely and utterly falls apart is that every person is so unique in their own growth journey that if I make my worth dependent on your fulfillment, your happiness, I will be on a never ending journey of exhaustion and disappointment because to, well, first of all, if I take that from you, it's like, I'm robbing you of your own experience. So Mm. that doesn't even rationally make sense. And then if we actually just look at the truth, which is I can't, I sure I can do nice things for you and create an environment community where you can have good experiences, but you can still not feel great. And so there was just this roller coaster. I mean, talk about being close to burnout. I felt that really deeply. And I think that that journey to realizing, wow, what if I can have worth in the world just kind of innately? What if I like wake up with that? Then I don't have to be the mama bear anymore. And if shoot, if I'm not the mama bear anymore, then who am I? And that was, that was a, that was a root, like a root awakening. I felt very lost in that chapter of my life. And so to your point, it was a definitely a forcing function to kind of like really do my own work to engage deeper. And then hopefully it's all work that makes me a coach that can actually show up with a client because I'm going to sit in this container with you. And I'm not sitting with you as a client because I have a desire for you to have a different experience. So I can feel better about myself or because I'm like, Oh yes, you need me to save or fix you. Like, look, I know what your problems are and I am going to help you out. Like, no, that is just not a great energy. If you, if you think about the times where you've been in conversation with people where you've actually shifted within yourself, it's usually when that person is a place of what we call in the coaching world rapport with you, where they are sitting in a place of deep appreciation for who you are and how you are right now. That doesn't mean that I think everything you're doing is necessarily perfect, but what I have is a deep empathy to understand all your behaviors are like really well-intended. Yeah. They're coming from a place the best that, you know, given again, your way of seeing the world. And so, yeah, all is that to say, thank you for that question. Just move me into a more freer identity where I can actually sit and hold people and just meet them where they are. That's incredible. I can see how that the nuance there, maybe it's not nuance, but to me it is. It's just something you made me actually think of something even personally where I thought about, you talked about the mama bear stuff. For me, if I think about the earlier parts of my career, just my job, even in the service, was being leading in chaos. And so, mm. you know, and so if you think about that, when you move into a place where, like when you get out and you drop the uniform and now you're out in the world and it's not chaotic all the time, you almost wonder like, is my worth being served here in the right way or not, right? And mm-hmm. the reality of it is it's it's okay for things not to just be blown up around you. It's, you can <laughs> still serve in a way that's useful, you know? Like it's not, you know, but my brain, when you were saying that, I was like, oh, interesting, right? Because maybe for a while you start to believe that, well, things aren't just get up, you know, and just on fire around me and things are just all over the place mess, then, you know, I'm not doing the thing I'm meant to be doing. And that's interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. Yeah. So, heck, I think the world is hearing my first coaching session with you here. <laughs> no, I don't know about that, but what it does make me want to ask you is if you have a sense, and I don't know how you would, maybe we could start with what would you even call the Joseph that shows up in the chaos? I don't know if it's an element of 
the savior, the hero, or the, I don't know, what's that word for you when you're playing that role? How would you characterize it? You know, to me, it's always, I, the, one of the things that always resonated me, even with going through the academy and things earlier in my life was that level of like, how do you become this ultimate and not become, how do you live up to being this ultimate servant leader? I mean, it was something that was pushed into us mm. all the time. So there is probably a level of, you know, sacrifice and there's a level of being in things that are uncomfortable and so on and so forth. Admittedly, it actually feels very good too. There's nothing that, I mean, yeah, I mean, being cold and, you know, bullets and, you know, all the things kind of around you and the chaos is not particularly enjoyable. Mm. But the outcomes of those things is a really hard thing to compare to a lot of things in life with that level of fulfillment. Mm. And so I, and you know, imagine being young, right? A brand new professional in this world and that's your first introduction. It can seem for a long time that things pale in comparison, right? Like mm -hmm. you can't even find something else that's even relatable. But again, that's to me, as you were saying that, I look at who Kate is today. And if you were to tell me that, um, that you still had to continue being the mama bear version to be somebody I would enjoy being around. I would tell you as a friend, that's not true. As a matter of fact, I like the Kate that I met, right? So it's a, mm -hmm. it's a weird thing. We can't even see ourselves. And as you're saying that, I think about how many people know me without knowing that part of me really, mm -hmm. right? And I think they like hanging out with me still. <laughs> me yeah. Around, right. It's yeah. interesting, isn't it? So yeah. I find that fast. Do you find that's probably like in your, in your, clients and in the people that you help and coach do you feel like that's a common thing i mean it has to be right like that's got to be one of the number one things you kind of help them sherpa through and when we're talking about the thing is it or what i'm hearing specifically is kind of like in our early days of living children yeah. being on the planet we right. understand a way of being in the world that allows us to kind of feel like we're contributing or have value and worth or maybe it's just belonging even and then we continue to kind of play that out as we get older. That's it. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of that, like something solidified, right? And that becomes your reference point. And now you're trying to figure out how the heck do I, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I think we, I don't want to generalize, but I would, based on my experience, I think all of us have some set of experiences that molded us a certain way. And we do all have opportunity to expand that. So even take what you were just saying about you aspire to be a servant leader. And if part of what you had felt really good in over time is that there would be these challenges or fires or crises, or, and there was multiple moments where you got to, and got to maybe is a strong word, but you could sacrifice. And in your sacrifice, you proved your care and your commitment and your loyalty, and you role modeled courage and bravery well, then in order for you to keep playing that role as a leader, like inside companies, outside in the world, it means that there has got to be ongoing fires and crises and hard things in order for you to continue to be in this role. So if we were to look like, and I'm now generalizing vastly, but for somebody who hasn't done the work of really bringing a deeper awareness to the self, we would look at this leadership team or this company culture, we might notice one of ongoing crises, ongoing fires. And yeah. if I were to talk to the leader, I would say, they'd be like, no, I don't want to be sacrificing all the time. But yet if it's so core to like how you know how to be as a leader, then you will create organizations that allow you to play the role. This is so incredible. yeah. my question back to you, Joseph, is 
if you've now, it sounds like on your journey expanded from the servant leadership is now like evolved into a lot more different identities for you. I'm sure if you're no longer the leader that has to sacrifice in order to have worth and value in his role, what is the new Joseph or identity that you've stepped into or are stepping into? That's great. Yeah. No, I think for me, it's been, and so I'm probably one of your folks that's maybe a little further along, right? Like to me, reframing service is interesting. I actually just having a conversation the other day with somebody. I love now being able to, and I think I always have, but one of the things is reframing what the definition of service means. And so Beautiful. it's not the environment anymore. It's literally how and by in which you get other people to be at their best. Because actually one of the things I reflect on even being a young officer in the military was actually how much I enjoyed seeing my junior leaders rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. And so it's just a reframing of, well, maybe it's not the fire. It's really about them reaching a potential that I really enjoy. And mm -hmm. so can I find that in other places? A hundred percent. You can find that everywhere, right? And so you find it in your family, you can find that in your church, you can find that in your business. And so it takes time to get there. But to your point, you talked about you know, if you're the crisis leader, why is it that your business has always seemed like in crisis? I mean, that's got to hit some listeners right now really hard, right? Because it's probably something that you overlook without looking at the fact that, oh, crap, maybe I'm part of generating all this mess a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a it's a moment when you realize it. I'm sure. And then if you are having that moment and listening, I, the thing I'd first is give yourself space to just sit in that for a second and then to follow up with this, that beautiful question of like, well, who would I like to be? Yeah. You know, who, what would I want to experience? Well, and then I like how you push it another further and then like, what could be even better? And it's just, just yeah. like such an interesting stretch, right? That people get to go do, you know, you mentioned about people and, and I could, I mean, you think about the people that you help, but they have people that they're on a team with. And so I know mm -hmm. one of the things that you're also, uh, a guru in is helping those teams get better together. I got to imagine that these folks, their clients come to you and say, Hey, Kate, I really had a breakthrough, but I went back to the office and my executive team is having a hard time. Me being this new person, one, they're weirded out about it a little bit. And two, mm -hmm. um, they're obviously in a very different place. How do you help them with that? Like, is there something that those teams can come to you even as a group? Like, how does that, cause in a lot of ways, and I'm thinking now is just a pure operator who, taking who's taking self-development and awareness seriously but now going back to an environment that isn't as accepting of that and these are the people you lean on to make things happen in your company how do you help them with that like what are the things that what's the process for getting those folks on the same wagon yeah what you're nailing is actually you know to, to pull up one level is whenever we have change that is such a deep level at the identity level the number one thing that stops us is what we call ecology, which are the things that allow you to stay safe and like live, survive really frankly. So if I have a sense that if I step into this new person, that everyone is going to quit at my company, or if I step into this new person and all my friends are no longer going to be my friends, or my parents would never talk to me, you could understand why it would feel frankly impossible to step into this new identity. So what you often will see is once you've done the deeper work and it, you know, at a full body level feels possible and safe to step into the new kind of you, what you'll very much see is that the relationships all around you will start to shift. And so people that were anchored in your 
old way of showing up that allowed you to stay that way. Yeah. May, it may be a series of tough conversations. So for example, um, I have a, a CEO client who grew up with an alcoholic dad and he, in the home environment, uh, basically was, did anything possible to not piss off dad, which meant to kind of be quiet, be pleasing. And so when he is now, um, with a very alpha male VP of sales, who is very assertive and very aggressive in energy and very talkative, my client historically has had a hard time, like hard time meeting that person. Um, and of course, when we've done some deeper work where now he understands his own connection with his voice and he doesn't believe that now power actually means to be mean or cruel, but that actually asserting oneself can also be an act of love and connection and holding someone to their best self, Yeah, you know, and that what we like saw and we'll see is that when the VP of sales meets this new leader, there's kind of a inflection point where usually to be honest with you, Joseph, what will happen a lot is that this person now will show up completely different with you. It is not uncommon for like those underperformers or the pain in the asses or the people that weren't working for you to actually totally shift in their behavior because they're not playing this role for you anymore. Or the other alternative is that, yeah, you end up letting some people go. It's not unheard of that leaders fire their whole executive <laughs> team because, you know, it's also really fascinating by teams is another one of my favorite questions. And you can sit with this one too, Joseph, is asking yourself, what are you, um, what do you not let yourself be? And I don't just mean like, okay, I don't let myself be a murderer. Yes, of course. But if you actually sit and you're like, oh my gosh, I never let myself be lazy or I never let myself you know, take up to attention or I never let myself be arrogant. You should look a layer deeper at that because the thing that you are so against yourself being, it means that you are suppressing that quality within yourself. And usually it's a very weird thing that we do. We will then go hire someone else that will have the audacity to live and breathe and do this thing that we won't let ourselves do in this sort of weird way to like live vicariously through them. And then the whole time we'll say we're pissed off or triggered or whatever about this person, but it on some level, they are serving this kind of mirror back to us. And so the reason why I bring that up is you can also look at executive teams, which are all mirrors back to the founder or the CEO of potentially, if it's not a, if it's a dysfunctional executive team, they have hired people who are all embodying these things that they don't let themselves be and can create a lot of dysfunction that way. So when you, again, coming back to original question of if you step into a, um, a, a healthier updated identity, all of that shifts within your executive team, right? It, if yeah. you, yeah, I could give a lot no, of no, examples. But please, no, I, I think you're about, <laughs> you might be hitting a follow if I have that. No, go for it. You say your follow-up and then we'll go from there. Well, I think, you know, when you, um, when you talk about, you think about the old adage in business, right? I hire a bunch of folks to help fill my gaps, right? And on its face, it sounds great. But what I kind of just heard you say is something that just makes me grin inside because you also could say that same adage in a very different way. Hire the people that you feel not like inept. You suppress these things that you probably actually want to naturally be. Hire those individuals and then resent them because they're probably good at those things that you wish you were good at. Right. And that's kind of, an yeah. that's such a twist. So another way, case in point, true. I have a CEO who is like, 
another individual, sweetheart, very loving, you know, very caring individual and has a really hard time being direct and honest and frank. So what has he done? He's hired a COO who is like, like really blunt, ruthlessly candid. (laughs) And to be frank is probably over the top. The CEO needs to work on it, but what will be game changing. And it's the work that we're doing is the more and more the CEO allows himself to be direct allows himself to be candid, then no longer will the COO have to be like so out of balance because there's be more balance between them. And so they'll both have an opportunity to play new roles. Um, So all it is to say, if somebody is royally triggering you on your team, my curiosity goes to what do they have the audacity to do that you don't let yourself do? Yeah. And what could it look like to Give yourself permission to develop that part of you in a way that's healthy. Look, like if your thing is, I can never be lazy. I'm not advocating that you should be lazy, but what I'm advocating for is, yeah, maybe you should consider where you need rest in your life. Maybe. Yeah. Or arrogance. I'm not encouraging you to be arrogant, but maybe there are spaces where you could have better rapport with yourself, where you could actually be in better dialogue with yourself about your achievements and maybe even be proud. I dig it. No, yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that we, um, let me say this back to you. It's actually kind of part of my own philosophy and how I like to guide through life. And I wonder if this is from your perspective, a good way to look at it, especially I think about team dynamics a lot. It's one of my favorite things, but what I actually take a, so it's refreshing actually to hear you talk about that, not necessarily, you know, filling those gaps are interesting ways actually to create more tension in a business or whatever those might be. I found that finding people that help pull you both, both those individuals to a more, I call it center point, as opposed to, let me find somebody who fills my gap completely. And then, mm-hmm. then I go through this exercise of potentially resenting them and having issues later down the road. To me, it's about how do I find somebody who's got a better magnetism towards the direction that I would need, that I need to be better at to learn from. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I can kind of contribute that way too and center it. Because I, I think about my time, even in the service, on how the best teams I've ever found were the best teams I've even worked with were more a collection of balanced people. They were, we were all fairly good at the same things. We just understood that we weren't perfect at any of these things and we helped kind of pull each other in ways that were a little bit better. But when you think about one of those teams and to be specific, you know, some of us might have a better inclination to how we do medical things or how we a better shooter or a better person at understanding how to communicate. But those teams always, the best teams always seemed a little bit more similar and balanced individuals than Mm -hmm. otherwise. Do you find that that's probably a healthier way to look at team dynamics than just go fill the gaps with a bunch of people with things that you're not good at? Yeah, I think what's important important to distinguish is what I'm not saying is that you shouldn't, you know, you're an exceptional, you're your CEO you should absolutely go hire an exceptional product leader that knows how to do product than you. You should absolutely go get like a fierce um, operational uh, operator, um, operational operator, that doesn't make sense, but somebody who's like really (laughs) incredible at operating internally to run your teams. You should absolutely get ahead of marketing that is wildly creative and can think strategically about your company brand way better than you do. I'm not suggesting that you should go and like sort of get better at these things. What I'm asking, what I'm saying is you need to look at the qualities within yourself, qualities, competencies, behaviors. I'm not talking about hard skills. This is totally different. And ask yourself, what are the things that I am not letting myself be in this world? 
And what is potentially the downside of not letting myself be these things? And how am I possibly outsourcing this to someone else on my team right now or to another relationship in my life? Um, that is kind of the question. To, to what you're getting at, I mean, I am very much, I think the best decision comes when you've got a bunch of different perspectives in the room and a, people yeah. from a variety of different backgrounds. And what I think I'm hearing or what's really landing with me is if we, when we take executive teams and leadership teams where there is a cultural norm around self-development, self-awareness, where mistakes and dare I say the word failures are celebrated as, you know, windows for learning and opportunity and growth. And that is like so innately embodied within that group. Those are the teams that you see thrive. They crush it, right? They just crush it. No, I agree. I think that that's an interesting, and so it always comes back to the mirror, doesn't it? In the some mirror. Ways, right? It comes back down to the mirror. It's more less about that whole, that whole situation isn't, still go find really incredible people with their crap you should bring those folks in especially if they're better than you that's a good that's a good idea yeah but pay attention to what that does with you right because and and focus there first because what i hear you saying is because if you can work on those things things tend to evolve in a way that allow you to be in better in that environment right and that's person who's just super direct all the time Maybe use less that way because you're a little bit direct too. And that kind of helps balance things out. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. How do you, um, God, I could go all out. I mean, I know we're coming up on time here, but the things I wanted to make sure we covered, or I'm still, you know, interested in, I think our listeners would love to hear about is two things or two versions of the same question. What's the first step you acknowledge that I need to do something different? right? Mm -hmm. This is just not working individually on my team, in my family, whatever that might be. There's something up. What's the first step outside of acknowledging that? I mean, is it go find the best Kate Saber in the world and go start talking to that individual? Like, what do you advise somebody that like is at that point in their life where they acknowledge they may not be ready to move, but they know they got to do something different. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice to people who are in that position on how do they and it might not be dramatic. I'm thinking even the person who maybe is doing okay, but it's like, I could do better, but I just don't know how to do it yet. And I know probably it hinges on me a little bit and some of these other things. What's a good next step? You're hearing me take a big breath because I, again, I feel like that is so just personal to Justin the individual Taylor. and based on what's kind of blocking them or yeah, what what is kind of shaping their present experience. You know, I, I know I feel like I've said this probably too many times on this call, but even if you can give your, yourself the gift of even just getting out a sheet of paper and going like, what is it that I am most longing for right now? Mm. And then allow yourself to write that down and sit with it. And then what would, and then I guess the question that would fall for me is what needs to shift or where do I need to explore to actually start to engage on the journey of giving myself permission to move towards this. And for some people that might be working with a coach and you know, that's a tremendous honor. It might also be, you know, going out on the land and being with the squirrels and the butterflies and the birds <laughs> Just getting away, and feeling the, the power of earth, you know, for others, it might be being an intimate conversation with their partner 
in a way that they never have been. It's just, I can't prescribe one kind of set of things and think that's what's maybe the best part about us all being humans is what you need. And your first step is such a reflection of you and your story and your journey. If someone does decide that, you know what, coaching is for me. You know, I had a friend of mine that does it. They seem really great. And it seems, how would you, if someone decides that's the path they need to go for their custom tailoring there and what they need in their life, any advice on how I imagine you mentioned earlier on about building rapport and connecting in order to be able to be fruitful in that relationship. How do you find somebody? I mean, is it, do you test a couple folks out? Like how do you decide how to go about doing that? Yeah, it's, it's such a, basically you're going to try, you want to create a container relationship with someone where you feel completely like you can be yourself and that you look forward to the time with this person because they are going to give you a space to really explore your own thinking, your own thoughts, question the uncomfortable things. So I would very much encourage someone to work, to meet with several coaches. Most coaches will offer some version of an exploratory chat where you'll be able to be on the receiving end of their style. You can get a sense of like, is this even my cup of tea? It's usually free. So why would you not try it out? Yeah. And you like most things, you'll probably know within the first couple of minutes, is this somebody that I'm, I'm feeling well, like I have chemistry with, I'm driving with, you know, in the same way that if you look at all your years of schooling, there's probably some teachers that you really didn't like. And there's some that you loved. The same will be true for, for coaches and the coaching community is don't give up. Cause you met one coach that wasn't your cup of tea. There's so many different coaches out there. You know, in fact, for me, I would say a coach is more like an artist than anything else. And you may or may not like their form of expression and creativity. And so you got to find the artist that really evokes something within you. Oh, incredible. So then you decide, okay. Um, the, you called it exploratory calls. Mm -hmm. I dig it. That's kind of a neat way to be able to try that. So I, here's the other, the, the thing that I absolutely, and I want to just give you the floor after this, flip the script a little bit. Somebody wants to do a K does they're hearing this right now and said, gosh, man, that job seems incredibly you know, not only fruitful, but my, the calling has been there for me. I want to get into this. What are the things you want to, would want to let somebody like that know if they were here right now saying, okay, I want to do what you do, the good, bad, and the ugly, or just, Hey, if I, and then of course then, yep. And I want to start, how does that look like? You know? So, I mean, what would you tell somebody who's interested in what you do for a living? Mm. There's so many ways that people have come into coaching. So there's not even necessarily a path or a one size fits all. I mean, there's, you know, I know really amazing operators that have turned into coaches or, um, I've also known architects that have become executive coaches. So interesting, really, you I have to remember that. that the art of coaching, a great coach is not going to sit in conversation with you and tell you how to do your job. So therefore, while their background might be helpful and that they might, it might impact how they ask questions. What you're really looking for is a great coach has an uncanny ability to listen and not just listen to the words coming out of your mouth, but to hear what is present with you that maybe isn't even being said. And then with that, to reflect back to you, the key things that they're seeing and ask a set of questions that allows you to do this beautiful dance to like deeper awareness and understanding. And so like if I'm looking for a coach for myself, I'm way more curious about the person's ability to shift perspective through those two things, listening and questions, mm -hmm. than I care about their background. 
So, and that's a pretty different nuance than if I was looking for, you know, a consultant for my company or an advisor, I would absolutely want somebody who's like done my role or done something way better than I've done before. So it's a little bit of a different thing. So for someone who's wanting to become an executive coach, I think like anything in life, continue to follow what gives you energy and joy and do more of that because you're likely to then build the background experience that will attract the future clients that you want to work with. And then simultaneously deepen your toolkit around listening and asking questions and exploring the depth of the human experience. And then you'll probably be your own unique artist. I dig the artist vibe on it. It makes a hundred, do coaches have coaches? Oh yeah. Can I, I mean, that would probably be uh, that's a fascinating topic. That's a that's about as meta <laughs> as it gets. I can probably do an entire yeah. episode. I work on that, with an amazing do. woman. Yeah, really, that's absolutely. Awesome. And it makes sense why you would, right? I mean, like that's got to be at the, at the crux of it all. We're human, right? So like, it isn't like oh, Kate Saber, the coach, doesn't need that you know kind of support or whatever the case might. That's fascinating. I can only take you as far as I've gone myself. So. Yes. Where I am in resistance internally to any part of me, I'm going to be limited in my ability to support and hold space for you. Yeah. So let me just example something I've worked on over the years is um, an emotion that I was not allowed to feel or experience or even engage in is anger because I was like anger, wildly unproductive. And so if I was sitting in the presence of somebody who was experiencing a lot of anger, I would immediately be trying to like move us. <laughs> Let's go to something productive. I mean, this is not productive, right? But what I'm now unaware of is anger is an incredible expression of your value system. It is a like window into like what you deeply care about. It is uh, another way of looking at your own relationship with yourself again and worth and deserving. And so now like anger, because I have done the work with my own self to be at that depth, I can sit and be like, let's be with this anger. Is anyone recognized how pissed off you are right now? Yeah. Yeah. Let's be pissed. We don't need to change it because I'm uncomfortable about it. Same thing with any emotion. Like if you, and this is just generally as a human, if you think about the emotions of fear, sadness, anger, joy, what's the emotion that you're like, feel most uncomfortable being with basically what, whatever you are in resistance to will stay and it'll be harder to move or evolve. And the things that you let be can then soften and transform. And that's true for every emotion. So now I'm forgetting even how we got there, but the part, oh yeah, coaches. Coaches, coaches have coaches. coaches. Yeah, yeah. You, for me, that is like hugely important because how much ground we can cover is, yeah, a continual reflection of my continued growth and healing. Oh man. I mean, it's, and especially being a guy who loves climbing things and going and, and on, you know, being out in the world. I agree. I mean, you feel I would feel irresponsible if I was taking somebody somewhere I'd never been, you know, uh, yeah. or weird, right. It's just not a, it would not be cool with my book to do that. Right. And so I can see how in your craft, same thing. Like I can't, I like what you said. I can't take you as far, you know, I can't take you any places I haven't gone yet in a lot of ways. I think that applies a lot of things in life, right. Just in general, right. Which mm -hmm. is probably a cool way to keep you accountable to just growing and doing the yeah. things you need to do to help you, your family, your team, or whatever the case might be. Incredible. Yeah. Okay. I could literally talk, talk to you for another hour, but I want to give you some time. I can't, I mean, it's just like this stuff is there's buckets of little things. It could be its own uh, episode, but I want to give you a moment to just be able to share anything that you got going on. You know, what are you excited about? You know, how can people follow or find you? 
um, I don't know, words of wisdom, any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Joseph. I'm, this has been just so much fun. You ask, I mean, talk about someone who asked brilliant, insightful sh perspective, shifting questions. That is you and you are a deep listener. So well, I see you. you as a, a kin coach, uh, here. Yeah. And you know, and, and for anyone that does listen to this or has found this, um, I don't know if it has allowed you to kind of slow down and reflect for just one minute on how are you doing really and truly not like the stupid baloney that we do, which is like, how are you good? How are you good? Right. But like, no, actually, how are you doing? And I invite everyone to really check in with that to start first of all. And, you know, another way of doing that, I was in a really, um, I had a really hard chapter in my life, which was, uh, I won't go into all of that right now, but when I was, I got this prompt that if, uh, I were to take my thoughts and turn them into an art exhibit in like downtown New York for everyone to see, would I be proud of the way that I think? Would I be proud of how I talk about others? Would I be proud about how I talk to myself? And I was like, whoo, no. Close <laughs> that gallery down. Yeah. That is a not interesting <laughs> art exhibit. Okay. <laughs> but it was so, I mean, it was so profound for me because I was like, here I am wanting to have a different experience in my external world, but my inner art exhibit is like not something I want to even show like my mom, let alone, you know, the whole world. And I, I give you that as if, as you ask the question, how are you think about what would be the art exhibit of your internal, uh, self, if you will. And if you want to see something different, if you want to create something different, experience something different, it is absolutely available to you. And I say that, you know, it, with an immense awareness around privilege that all of us, based on our circumstances, we've been born into the bodies that we have, the skin that we have, the sexuality that we have, that that is a, I could, I can understand how that could land in many different ways for many different people. And what I, my invitation is, I'm not saying that without ignorance to what is true and happening in the world. And I'm not saying that to make light of that because those things are real and they absolutely influence your experience. And maybe there's more available than you let yourself think possible now. And if you could give yourself permission to realize the extensiveness of what is available, what could start to shift now about how you experience this moment, this afternoon, the sky, all the things around you. So yeah, um, that's an invitation that I'm going to leave you all with. If you know, coaching is, as someone out there is curious about that, or is interested in having a deeper dialogue, it would be such a joy to connect with any listener. I, yeah, I'd feel really grateful for that. And yeah, I'm just wishing everyone a, a 2022 that is full of what they are longing for. Amazing. Kate, thank you so much for being on today. It was an absolute honor to be able to speak with you. Yeah. Thanks. Back at you. Well, team, thank you for joining us today. This is the Professionally Offensive Podcast. You can catch us on all platforms. JC out.